Welcome back to The Unexpected Gardener. This is Sabrina, and I'm The Unexpected Gardener because no one expected me to want to grow food and get dirty, be outside, be in the dirt. There's bugs out there. Uh, Totally not kind of my personality. I'm a city girl from Boston, but I have turned into uh, an avid gardener, uh, a kind of a modern day homesteader, and I garden on 0.18 acres, which is not much when you smack a house on it. Um, but I can grow a lot of food in the backyard. So today we have a very special guest, my friend Amanda. She is the Happy Homestead on YouTube and the Happy Homestead NC on Instagram. Um, I have learned a tremendous amount from her. And one of the things that she is really an expert on, and this year I am dialing in on is medicinal herbs. I'm going to grow a bunch and I'm trying to learn as much as I can. And so Amanda is going to come on and share with us eight immune boosting medicinal herbs that you can grow. And we're going to kind of talk about each one and she's going to teach us. Welcome, Amanda. Well, thank you. I was going to say welcome, Sabrina. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm very excited about this. I'm, I'm slightly nerding out this year. Um, last year, I really kind of wanted to turn one of my green stalks into like a medicinal herb. Um, in my head, I had one green stalk for medicinal herbs and the other one for like uh, tea, tea herbs, you know, and I just couldn't get it together. So this year, I'm going to be much more intentional about it. And so this is as much for me as it is for everybody listening. Well, thank you. I mean, it's, it was as much for me too. So talk about nerding out. I nerded out just getting all of the information together for today's podcast. I I was really excited and energized. And um, I think, I think it's going to be good. I'm I'm hoping people find a lot of value in it. Well, I'm pretty sure we will because every time you like talk about stuff or teach me stuff, I'm always blown away. And (laughs) well, you know, and it's such a, what a, a, I mean, what a practical thing to be knowledgeable about too, because, Mm. you know, as I'm sure you're going to teach us, you know, these, these herbs are, you know, most of them are probably readily available. Maybe um, you can even give me some like links. I can put them in the show notes for folks if they want to go buy them, you know, from a reputable place, but, but we can grow these, right? So absolutely. Most of them you can. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Well, Hey, jump right in and teach us, Amanda, teach us. (laughs) Well, I'm going to start with my disclaimer, right? I'm not a doctor. I don't pretend to be. Our health is individual to each of us. And no matter what medical system we follow, it's our job to be our own advocate and do our own research. And so you should never just blindly trust anyone, Yes. no matter how many letters are after a person's name. Amen. Okay. Or, yes. <laughs> I want to make sure that's very important because, again, it doesn't matter if it's herbalism, homeopathy, or allopathy, right? It, it doesn't matter. We all need to be our own advocate, so... It's also really important to note that we can't think about herbal or natural medicine as the the same way as conventional standard medicine, right? With the standard medical system, we feel bad, we take one or two things, and then maybe we feel better. But have we really solved the problem, right? We took the drug prescribed, but then we're going to go eat fast food soaked in seed oils. Or maybe the pain is gone, but is the cause gone, right? Are we actually better? And so our bodies and subsequently our immune systems, they're they're so complex. Each system is not independent of each other. They all need to work harmoniously together in a way that brings us optimal health. And so I say that because 
While this list of eight herbs will help your immune system, it's imperative that we lead our lives in a way that is holistically helpful and beneficial. That is so good. And it's funny because I actually had a conversation today on the way to school with my youngest two children because we've had something go through our house and it's probably, you know, the, you know what, I have no idea, but in any case, um, I just said that to my, specifically my daughter. And I was like, see, this is the reason why mom talks so much about the food that we take inside our body, because you know, what we're doing when we get sick and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like in our house, when we get sick, I'm not looking for medication to take away per se, the symptom. I'm looking at things that we can add into our, either in a supplement or a tincture or food that nourishes our body and, and boosts our immune system to support our immune system. So our immune system can fight off whatever it is that's making us sick. Right. 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 Yeah. That's so good. So good. And that's a good segue because I don't know, you know, many people may not know this is that over two thirds of our immune and lymphatic system is in our gut and digestive tract. And so it is so important that we're feeding ourselves properly. We're keeping things moving. And this obviously includes keeping our liver healthy, right? Because our Mm -hmm. liver is the master detoxifier and it's responsible for in part the condition of our blood and for the health of our entire system. So a lot of these herbs I'm going to mention, right? They might help also build and strengthen the liver, which can improve the quality of the bloodstream, which includes, you know, the quality of the physical nourishment for our internal environment, et cetera, right? It's, it's this huge linkage within our body. It's, it's really not independent. Excellent. So I'm going to go through each herb and you're going to hear, I'm going to tell you really why it's helpful, um, any precautions and, and how you can use it, how you can incorporate it. Um, the most common ways to ingest and use herbs that I'll be talking about are infusion, which is just a fancy word for tea. Okay. Tincture, which would be either extracted by alcohol or glycerite. And, and glycerite would be used, if, you know, for children, if you want to be very cautious about the alcohol with the children or anyone that's, you know, got some sort of issues with alcoholism at all, right? You don't want to give them an alcohol tincture. Okay. Uh, de- decoction, which is just a really another fancy word, but it's used with roots and bark. So it's very similar to infusing as a tea, but with roots and barks, it takes a lot longer Uh, with like simmering it to really get those properties out. Or you can do capsules that are filled with any kind of dried powdered form of the herb. So those are the four main ways. Okay. All right. Are we ready to dive in? Yes. I've got my (laughs) pencil and my paper and I am ready. Okay. So some of these are ones going to be that you've heard of and probably some that you haven't. We are going to go in no particular order. So we're going to start with the poster child for herbalism, which is echinacea. And we're going to specifically talk about the variety echinacea purpura. It's P-U-R-P-U-R-E-A. And this is a key medicinal herb. It's, it's one that most people have heard of. They've seen growing around in landscapes. Maybe it's in their garden. And what's also so great is that anyone can grow it or source locally or online. And the reason why echinacea is so great is because it stimulates the white blood cells, which are what defend our bodies against infection and disease. It's non-toxic, 
and mostly harmless, but anyone with an autoimmune disorder should really be cautious and talk with their healthcare provider first. Personally, I really like to use dried echinacea root as well as the aerial parts. And that would be the leaves, the stem, the flowers. I use it to make a tea as well as a tincture. And, and the best part of echinacea too is really you can use the entire portion of the plant, right? The root as well as the aerial parts. These are the best ways to start incorporating them into your routine is either through a tincture or a tea and not just as a reactive measure, but as a preventative one. That's really good. And you, and I think echinacea is very kind of familiar. Most people are familiar with it because it's in a lot of, you know, stuff you can buy in the, you know, in the store, like ready made, right. right. immune boosting stuff. Like you can see it in supplements and all that. So that's really, I didn't know you could use the whole thing, the bark and everything. Well, so it, yeah, it'd be like the stem, the leaves, the flowers, as well as the root. Yeah. The root is where a lot of the um, really good properties are. Oh, and wow. so it's really important to use the root as well as the aerial parts. Yep. Awesome. Okay. Number two, another big heavy hitter, certainly within the last probably five to 10 years is elderberry. Mm. <laughs> Most of us have heard about the wonderful properties that elderberry has and through delicious elderberry syrup, which should not be discounted in any way. Elderberries have an antiviral activity, which helps prevent as well as speed up recovery from upper respiratory infections like the cold and the flu. The flowers are even just as more medicinal uh, before they become the berries. They can help stimulate sweating and relieve a fever by cooling the body. And so with the flowers, you would probably make some sort of tea or you leave the flowers and then the berries come. It's wow. Yeah, so it's really important that you use the dried flowers and dried berries. You never want to use the fresh berries. They need to be dried first. And you should always use the deep purple berries, right? Because when they first come, when they're first starting to grow, they're green. You do not want to use the green ones, making sure if you're harvesting themselves, you're getting the deep purple. Um, elderflower tea is really good when you need to reduce that fever, like I mentioned, because it helps stimulate the sweating. And it's really good, especially with peppermint and yarrow. So you could do elderflower, peppermint and yarrow tea. And when I make a tea, I don't usually make just one cup. Like I'll either put it in my French press to make maybe a quart's worth, or I'll make a half gallon's worth of like sun tea. I just put it outside in the deck and then let it infuse in the sun. And then I've got a half gallon of tea ready to go, which I think is so useful. So you're not making tea like every hour, every couple of hours too. That is so smart. See, I've already learned like five things that I had no idea about. <laughs> and then again, you just don't want to discount elderberry syrup. You can make it. You can buy it already made, someone locally, right? But you want to make sure you're making that with the dried berries. And it's such an easy and delicious way to get the properties. And one of the ways I get my kids to drink it, sometimes we put it in shot glasses, but I also like to put it on pancakes as a syrup, kind of mixed in with maple syrup. Oh, that's so smart. Yeah, our, our, my kids love it. So we buy it from someone local who makes it with, you know, all organic ingredients and, and local raw honey. And so my kids love it my teenager i have to take it away from him but you know but it work. it really does work it does uh, you know it does. it's amazing okay awesome okay number three this might be new to most people astragalus root so this is a widely adaptogenic herb in china it's very widely used 
but it's not as well known here in the West. And historically, it's been used to boost energy as well as strengthen immunity. It is an immune stimulant, and it's very useful for viral infections, such as the common cold. The only caution is that anyone with skin disorders or an acute illness should not take astragalus root. Now, do you remember what I said about what we do with roots? Yeah. They need to be decocted. And that's because it's harder, right? When you have flowers and leaves and stem, it's easy to infuse that with hot water and you can really get those properties out relatively easy. When it's a root or a bark, you're basically doing the same kind of thing, but you're simmering it from anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes in some water on your stove. And that's how you decoct the roots. And so that's how then you would use the, that liquid. So you what, strain it, strain it. Exactly. Toss yes. it. Do you toss yep. that? Yep. You compost it. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, you okay. can actually probably decoct it two or three times. Now be aware the second and the third decoction may not be as potent, but there's still properties there. Yep. Okay. The one thing I like to do with astragalus is I actually add it to my elderberry syrup. So when I'm making my syrup, right, you're throwing your berries in, your ginger, your cinnamon, whatever else, you're putting the water in and you're bringing it to boil and then you're simmering for maybe 30 or 40 minutes. I actually add my astragalus root in the very beginning with the berries because you're kind of decocting it anyway. And it's a great way just to add those properties into your elderberry syrup. That's really smart. Number four, licorice root. Licorice root is a very strong mucosal anti-inflammatory that can be used for gastric, esophageal, urinary, and respiratory inflammation. There is a specific acid that is found in licorice, and I'm going to try to pronounce this, but it's glycerizic. Okay. <laughs> it's a really big, really big word. We believe um, you. We believe you. <laughs> but this acid gets broken down in our gut and it stimulates the production of hormones by the adrenal glands. And it's one of the most widely used herbs around the world because it's prized for its antiviral properties. Now, when the big C came out a couple of years ago, licorice root tincture was the thing that I did for, gosh, a long time under the tongue, a few droppers full, and it just really helped, I think. So the only uh, concern there is that people with a history of high blood pressure or water retention should talk to their doctor first because the acid in licorice root can cause sodium retention and potassium loss. And that could just result in you know, some stress to the heart or kidneys. So you just need to be careful if you have high blood pressure or issues with kidney stones or other heart issues. So that might be something like with elderberry, you know, or echinacea, you, you can add that to kind of your normal, just immune boosting, whether you're sick or not. So maybe it sounds like licorice would be something you just want to take when you have actual symptoms that you want to. Correct. Right? The, yes. This herb is not meant to be taken for long periods of time. Okay. So my favorite way is to use it. Like I mentioned is tincture form and I'll make the tincture with the root and I'll just put a couple of droppers full under my tongue when I'm starting to feel like maybe I'm coming down with something. I'm feeling really run down, tired. Um, you can also make it as a tea, but again, you're decocting at first the root and then you can add some other herbs in there to um, make the flavor profile a little bit more of what you would be used to because the licorice root flavor will be stronger. Okay, so does it taste like like black licorice? No, it doesn't taste entirely like, I mean, it won't be sweet like that, but it will have that licorice um, bite. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Not a fan, not a fan, but I would do it if you told me to. If I needed it, I'd do it. But yeah, I'm not a fan. Okay, this is great. Number five, garlic. We cannot forget garlic, right? So garlic, we all know this beautiful herb and how many people love it or they hate it. Personally, I can't get enough of it. Oh, heck yeah. All right. It's so good. Um, And it's been used for thousands of years and it's completely safe, right? So it helps counter nose, throat, chest infections. It can reduce cholesterol, help with circulatory disorders. And just like echinacea, it actually helps to stimulate the white blood cells to boost our immune system. So it is a safe herb. It may give some people heartburn, right? And it could be a stomach irritant for small children. So you just be careful of that. Um, and obviously if, if anyone's nursing, you just be aware it could upset your babies <laughs> through okay. the milk ingestion, but it's perfectly safe. And garlic is so versatile. So really the best ways are just to cook with it daily. And then the other two ways, which I know that you've experienced is garlic fermented honey. Oh yeah. It's the best. So good. It's like the most potent medicinal tonic that stores indefinitely. And um, you can either just eat the garlic or drink, you know, put the honey into some things fire and fire cider. That's the other way, right. To make fire cider with garlic, horseradish, ginger, onion, and, and both of those will just totally knock whatever's going on in out of you. Oh, hardcore. I mean, and, and we, I've already gone through our first jar of fermented garlic honey. I mean, it, it's so, it's amazing how the garlic like changes the mm. longer it ferments and yeah. then you can eat, I mean, it still tastes like garlic, but you can eat the whole garlic clove and it doesn't have that, you know, that bite but it, right. it's, just, it's delicious. And then, you know, you, you do have like garlic breath and all that, but that's okay. We don't care. Yeah, I know, we eat it, it all is. the time. It's our, it's one of our favorite things to, to cook with. And um, so such a powerhouse people don't realize. Right. And that's the best part about some of these, right? There's some that people hadn't heard of, but a lot of these people hopefully have. Yeah. And so it's, it doesn't have to be this big obscure nebulous of, you know, what do I do? It's, it's it's a lot of common sense and just understanding how things work within the body. And if you want, I mean, you literally can, I mean, my husband was doing this, you know, often like with, especially the garlic that I grew in the backyard. I know it's, it's not sprayed with anything. He would just take a clove of garlic and then he would chop it. Cause you know, he wants to do that, but he'd chop it up and just put it on a spoon and eat it. Mm, yeah. You know, That's and I'm really like, great. Ooh, that's, I mean, that might be too much for me to do, but he was doing that like every day. Um, and especially if he felt something coming on, he would right. like double up. And yep. I mean, really, we very, very rarely get sick in this house. Like we haven't been sick for a couple of years. So that's probably why yeah. <laughs> the garlic helped. All right. So we're down to three more. Number six is called Andrographis. And this is a potent antibacterial and immune stimulator. And so with andrographis, you're using the leaves, you're drying the leaves. It helps protect the liver from damage, either from infection or poisoning. And the extract can help with inhibiting periodox oxidation as well as inflammation. And taking the extract can lead to significantly fewer sore throats and other common cold symptoms. Now, the, the caution here is that this should not be used during pregnancy or by nursing mothers. 
but the leaves can be dried and infused as a tea, but be aware it won't taste good. (laughs) You're you're going to want to add some other really good beneficial herbs. And when I say that, I usually add mint, mint, right? Mint is just a a fantastic flavor that can kind of mask a lot of things. Or um, chamomile is another one that I really enjoy to kind of mix it with things. So keep that in mind when you're trying teas, just maybe mix something else with it that has great properties also. And so is this something that you can grow or is this something you kind of need to buy already dried or what do you recommend? You can grow it, but it is something that you can purchase dried and and that might be a good place to start just so you have it on hand until you're able to start growing it. Okay. Um, So the tincture can be made with dried leaves also, or you can purchase the extract in capsule form. So this is one of those ones where, you know, if the tincture is just really off-putting to you, then you can go buy capsules with the extract in it. Okay. That sounds like something I would do. I'm a wimp when it comes to (laughs) yucky tasting stuff. Okay. Number seven, another really common one, which is oregano. Oregano and its oil are strongly antiseptic and potent against many bacteria and fungi, especially like E. coli and any candida strains. Oregano is very useful for respiratory and digestive infections. So the caution here is that it should never be used as medicine and in large quantities. You are not going to go eat an entire plant's worth of oregano. That just wouldn't be a good idea. That's not how we use it anyway, if you think of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly not while you're pregnant. It's, it's safe where people are pregnant, just not in those really large quantities. And oregano essential oil should not be ingested because it's toxic to the liver. Now I have to say, this is not the same as oil of oregano because that is actually a very medicinal thing. And I'll talk about that in a minute, but people need to remember that essential oils are distilled versus um, oil of oregano, which is basically oregano soaked in oil and the oil is extracting the properties. So Uh, okay, don't mix the two up. Don't go find oregano essential oil in your essential oil kit and then think that's what you're using because that should not be ingested. Yeah, because that's that's like totally different and much more powerful right. oil, right? Okay, exactly, yeah. and that's why it's toxic to the liver because it's just in such concentrated uh, form. And let me just, if I can just stop you here, I think this is a good reminder because I think in general people just think herbs are, you know, they're totally harmless, like safe. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they're safe, and in a lot of cases that's true. But, you know, I did a podcast episode where I went through all the like books that I recommended that people maybe want to buy and keep on hand, you know, just in case some information we might find on the interwebs is not exactly, you know, it might be AI generated, it might not be correct. And so to have just kind of an arsenal of books. And one of the things I mentioned was about, you know, herbs and, and what we're talking about here, anything medicinal plant wise, because you know, you just can't assume that because they are powerful and if used correctly, it can have a tremendous impact on your, you and your family's health and wellness, but you have to be, you have to get a, you know, information from a reputable source because you don't want to, you don't want to use it improperly and you could actually do damage. And so this is a good example with 
oregano. Who knew oregano was so powerful? I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. And so you can use it fresh or dried, right? Because it's a culinary herb. I mean, you were, yeah. It's very versatile. So certainly never stop using it culinarily, right? That it's a great way just to incorporate it. But for medicinal purposes, it can be infused as a tea. And then I remember I mentioned oil of oregano. You can actually go to some health food stores and purchase oil of oregano. And it's powerful and it can be dropped into some tea. I wouldn't do oregano tea with oil of oregano. <laughs> do yeah. some other tea and then drop some oil of oregano in. Um, but it's very powerful or it can be taken as a capsule, right? You can find kind of liquid gel capsules that are filled with oil of oregano if you'd rather do that too. But just make sure that you're following that manufacturer directions because the strengths could vary depending mm -hmm. upon who's made what, right? Um, but a dropper full of oil, the oregano oil, the oil of oregano, can also be added to bath water to help clear the lungs too. I think that's a really wow. good way of using it too. Yeah. And that, and now, I mean, it's, I mean, as of we're recording this on the 26th of January and probably all of us know people who have been sick or are sick right now, it's kind of going around right now. Yeah. A lot of that respiratory or chest gunk. And so this, I love that you can put it in a bath and it actually still helps you. Right. Right. Wow. That's incredible. Okay, we're ready for the last one? Yep, let's do it. Last one is one that probably people have not heard of, and this is called Pau de Arco. It's P-A-U-D apostrophe A-R-C-O. And this is a tree, and so we're going to be using the bark of the Pau de Arco tree. It's indigenous to South America, and because this is usually wildly cultivated, or harvested, I should say, wildly harvested, it's important that you're sourcing from responsible sources. And so I'm going to pause there for a minute, because a lot of the times, especially even with echinacea, it's really important that you are very intentional and mindful about where you're purchasing your dried herbs, your roots, your barks, your tinctures. It's all very important. And I'll go through some of those um, sources when we're done here. But when something is cultivated, that means it's being grown basically commercially. And that's okay, right? It's when something is growing in the wild that depletion can happen. So with the powder arco tree, you want to make sure you're buying it from um, a cultivated source, if at all possible, or one that's very ecologically sourcing from the wild. Okay. So the inner bark is collected from the growing trees throughout the year. And the bark is antibacterial, it's antifungal, it's antiparasitic, it's anti-inflammatory. It is a host of amazing things. And it's notably used by herbal practitioners as a natural antibiotic for bacterial and viral infections, especially of the nose, mouth, and throat. So if anyone's taking an anticoagulant, you definitely want to talk with your, your healthcare provider before you take Pau de Arco. And you should not take it during pregnancy or if you're trying to conceive. And the rule of thumb with that, right, is, is if something is like anti-everything, bacterial, fungal, parasitic, inflammatory, right? Your body is basically um, creating another life and you just don't want to actually risk anything with any of these herbs that could harm conception or, you know, anything else going on. Okay. So since this is a bark, what are the two ways that we're going to be able to use this? We've got to boil that down. 
right? No, I'm quizzing you. Oh, you're quizzing me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I mean. You got, I don't remember the word. Oh, he, boil. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> yes, you're right. Decoction. Decoction. I was right. I just didn't say your you fancy were. word. You're right. And what was the other way he can do with barks or roots? Um, I don't remember. Tincture. Tincture, tincture. Yep. So either an alcohol or glycerite tincture. Okay. Um, so yeah, you're either going to decoct it or you're going to tincture it. Yeah. And the alcohol tincture is not my favorite. It's, yeah, it's can be, talk about a bite. It can have a bite. Yes. Yeah. It's, I mean, the one you brought over, which I think is Yarrow. Yarrow. Yeah. Yeah. For, for my, my sickies here, my son was like, what in the fresh heck is that? (laughs) And I was like, just trust me. Amanda made it. It's going to help. And honestly, they recovered so fast, both my husband and my son, like three days and they were done. Oh, and it's fantastic. And and stuff's been hanging on to people for weeks. Right. And weeks. So I know the tea, the yarrow, and then all the other things we were throwing at at mm-hmm. this really help their bodies fight it off. And that's really what, you know, for me, um, that's what I want. I want I want our, our body God's designed our bodies to heal and it's a very complicated, intricate system that is designed to turn up the heat and kill off whatever is the invader and whatnot. And, you know, we kind of spend all this time and money suppressing those, right. You know, those mechanisms. We're we're attacking the symptoms, but not the cause. Amen. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is such good information. So will you be able to like provide, um, like you can always, obviously talk about it, but I'd, I'd like to link everything in the show notes so people can, Absolutely. You know, maybe get a couple of books that you might recommend. Yeah. Yep. Tell us if just one or two books that people might want to grab. And then um, I can link to some reputable fo- uh, places for them to purchase it. Perfect. Um, and even okay. supplies too, Amanda, if you can give us like an idea of like, if you want to be a tincture maker, you know, you kind of need like little bottles and all that. Right. I think we could do a whole podcast on tincture because it, it is um, a whole different realm to dive into and it's not hard, but I actually think that would be a great maybe next step, right? Is how do people make their own tinctures? Yeah, that'd be great. And I, cause I do think that if you are like-minded of, of, of me and you're thinking about these things now, you know, ultimately it would be great to have, like a little apothecary in your house, like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a shelf or two or a cabinet where you have, you know, some of the, like maybe these key herb remedies at your disposal so that when something pops up, cause a lot of these have to sit, you know, especially if you're infusing something right, like, right. Sit for a while, fermented right. garlic, it has to sit for a couple of weeks. So th- that might be a really good um, like episode of like, how do you build a home? I like the word apothecary is a very fancy word and I really like it, but I love it like too. Medicine cabinet. <laughs> medicine yeah. Cabinet. Well, and the other thing I've been trying to work on, which we could totally talk about at another time too, is like your herbal first aid kit. Oh like, yes. What oh, do yes. you need in your herbal first aid kit? So yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I will send you the links, but I'm just going to mention a couple of places, right? So okay. as far as where people can purchase ecologically sourced, responsibly sourced, organic, herbs mountain rose herbs is my number one and they're out of i think it's oregon and i have been ordering from them for probably well over 10 years and they are just such a reputable company and i think that that's always the first place i go 
Amazon is a place you can go, but you really just have to be careful. It's hit or miss. And you, you need to make sure you know what you're purchasing. Um, the other place I actually have found some good luck is Azure Standard. Azure oh, Standard yes. actually has, you know, a lot of dried herbs, especially the culinary ones. Um, and so it's a place worth looking. And then if you want to grow any of your own medicinals, uh, a lot of what I had mentioned are perennials. And so it's just something you have to get established, but strictly medicinal seeds. They are a small independent company. So I think it's strictlymedicinals.com. They are phenomenal. And so I have ordered seeds from them and I've also ordered plants because they sell starts too. And you can order starts to have them shipped and then you can start them in your garden. Excellent. Cause that's kind of what my, I'm doing right now. I've got my list. Yes, and they are. They are great. They're a family owned company. Great. Yep. Strictly medicinal seeds.com. Okay. Awesome. As far as books. Oh my gosh. I probably have 20 books, but I'm going to give you one that I think is so accessible right to anyone who whether you're a beginner or not with learning all about the herbs and pictures and cautions and combinations and etc and that is going to be called the encyclopedia of herbal medicine and it's by andrew chavalier and i will again give this to you sabrina so you can put it in the show notes okay but it has 550 herbs and remedies for common ailments and it's one of my most go-to kind of resource books. It's, it's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'll add that. Cause I don't have that one, but I'm, I'm going to get that one. Cause it is, it's just, you know, you want to have, you want to have it in your possession because yes. you can't, and especially after hearing you educate us on some of these precautions with certain herbs, you know, I'm, I'm at the point now where I can't, I feel like I can't trust the, you know, the stuff I see on the internet, because it could be AI generated. How do I know they actually know what they're talking about? Right. So it's like, if you have a reputable author and a book in your possession, right. you know, and then if you don't have electricity or you don't have a cell phone, you can't look it up, then what are you going to do? So it's best to have it, you know, in paper on your property. I think the value of having something physical in hand is, well, it's invaluable. To your yes. point, we have we have no control over what's on the internet and what will be on the internet. And so having your own resource and your own library at your disposal that no one else can take away, I think is extremely important going forward. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. This is this is so informative. I learned so much that I didn't even I I I you didn't tell me what herbs you were gonna talk about. And like you're talking about <laughs> stuff I've never even heard of before. It's great. <laughs> well, good. Well, I'm so glad it was useful. Like I said, I had fun putting it together and I look forward to, to us diving deeper into other herbal topics. Oh yeah. Medicine, medicine cabinet and first aid is like next. Cause I definitely think that's so important to just talk about and get people thinking about because, you know, we need to be able to do these things on our own and, you know, you might not need to, but if you already have the knowledge and you already have kind of the setup, then, you know, that's just really, really good information to have. Thank you so much, Amanda. This has been wonderful. We'll have you back again. Thank you, Sabrina.